all, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Don and Ellie, and with me tonight is my guest, Boomer. Hey, uh, my friend, it's good to uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> I'm excited about this one. I've been looking forward to this for, for a little while now. Nice. Yeah, same here. So um, for tonight's show, we are going to be discussing our favorite Asian horrors. So um, those of you who know me know that this is a topic very near and dear to me. But uh, for those of us that don't know uh, the process behind this, let's get a uh, little background information on uh, how this came about and, uh, you know, what we're going to be doing here for, uh, later tonight. Yeah, so uh, you put this out on the uh, the Twitters. I'm sure you put it out on other social media as well, uh, asking if anybody would be interested on coming on the the show and maybe some you know topics and all that all that kind of thing and i noticed uh first of all i was jumping on it right away because man i've been a huge fan for many many years now uh so this is an absolute treat for me um i you know i first the first time that i i heard uh heard you was back on um duncan's show uh i i you know i listen to his stuff as well so you know i know you, you guessed it on on their stuff and so after after that, I was just I was hooked. Been listening to you for a while. So as soon as as soon as you put that on there, I was like, I gotta get on. <laughs> and, uh, I'm a massive, massive fan of Asian horror, and so I'm always trying to turn people on to to that. You know, open open their horizons to to maybe watch something that they have not seen yet. And um, yeah, it's I don't know what you would call it. It's not exactly a subgenre or anything like that, but uh, you know, to make things easier, it's my favorite subgenre. I prefer Asian horror to anything else. And so, uh, when I saw that you had not done a show on it yet, I and I had to hop on it right away. Nice, yeah. Um, so for uh, for those of you that um, aren't aware of what I do, um, one of my other side hustles is I'm a writer for the site Asian Movie Pulse, and I am almost the de facto Asian horror writer on the site. Um, ever since I joined, um, I think my very first article there was 2017 or 2018, but, um, it was either, it was somewhere around in there, but, um, ever since then, uh, 98% of the horror articles that you find on the site are by me. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, the guy when it comes to, uh, you know, Asian horror for that site. And... Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan um, as well. Um, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a lot of fun because um, for my list especially, I I favored more modern stuff because that's sort of where I'm a little bit more familiar with because I get a little bit more access to foreign releases and screeners and festival releases of that sort um, long before America gets it. Um, some of the stuff that I've seen um, hasn't even been released in America yet. So that's like how far ahead of the curve I am um, in terms of uh, Asian horror, because I think we need to make this distinction just a little bit before we get started. Uh, I tend to equate Asian horror with uh, Japan, South Korea, China slash Hong Kong, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore, Cambodia, Laos, and uh, it, it, countries of that variety, like that general geography in the world um i'm not entirely sure um if you did something similar if there was any uh you know countries you added in uh you know where you kind of like draw the distinction with asian horror um where were you and 
you were uh, formulating, uh, you know, what qualified versus what was just geographically on the outskirts of uh, where we wanted to take this. Yeah, I would uh, I would consider that the same thing. I, I may throw in uh, India in there as as well. But uh, I yeah, I'm pretty much uh, with you on that on that region. And uh, and I let me let me say right from the very beginning that I kind of messed this up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I suggested let's do top 10 Asian horror films. And then I had a list of like 35 to 40. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, no, I should have I been a little more specific. And this wouldn't have been so painful to have to eliminate some of these. Mm. See, that's weird because, you know, um, on, you know, just real quickly about this. Everybody always says India is Asian. I always assume India is Western. I always assume like India is just a like a little like the furthest west of like European. So I always equate like Asia, like Indian with like India and you know like Nepal and those kinds of areas as like Western, but that's like the furthest west. Like that's the dividing line between the two. So yeah, because I mean we cover Indian horror on Asian Movie Pulse as well, and I always forget that that's you know that's covered on the site, but. If I would have remembered, yeah, um, actually my list would grow uh, leaps and bounds because I didn't include it since I always forget to include India as, <laughs> as Asian. So, um, yeah, um, I mean, like I said, my list is uh, pretty much uh, predominantly more modern stuff. And it's, you know, Japan, Indonesia, South Korea, Thailand, uh, you know, those kinds of areas. But, uh, yeah, if I would have remembered India, it would be a vastly different list. So... <laughs> And yeah, um, I, I have a uh, honorable mentions of about 20 deep. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah um, I'm right in that boat with you. So <laughs> um, if uh, that's the case, then um, say we get started on this. Do we want to? Yeah, yeah uh, you want to go first or? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll kick us off here tonight. Uh, do you want me to start with my honorable mentions or or, or do you want to end with those? Uh, yeah, we usually do honorable mentions at the end, but I mean, if you want to knock okay. them off first and give people an idea of like what didn't make the cut, I'm fine with that. Ah, oh, that's that that's fine. I'll 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 keep people in suspense uh, that way because there there are some uh, heavy hitters on that are not going to be on my list. So the way yeah, that I'm here, <laughs> yeah. So the way that I did my list is these uh, were either films that really had an impact on me or films that I just enjoy. And so, you know, they're they're not the 10 best Asian horror films ever made or anything like that. It's uh, just just approachability on, uh, you know, on a, on a personal level for me. So uh, it's my goddamn list. Everybody else back off. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, I'll I'll go ahead and start us off. Uh, so the first one on my list is the oldest one on my list, and that is 1989's Sweet Home. Uh, from Kiyoshi Kurosawa, uh, and man, I had so much fun uh, the first time that I that I ever saw this film. Are you are you familiar with this one? I know of it, but I okay. haven't had a chance to see it. Um, I I've seen uh, clips of the video game it's based on rather yeah. than the movie, but I I don't know the film itself other than just knowing the title and the association with the video game. Okay. Yeah. So I came, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be a hipster here and say that I saw this back in the nineties or anything like that. So this was a recent discovery within the last, I'll say four or five years. And I don't know if uh, 
anybody who listens to the show or big gamers or anything, but there was that that huge NES boom, you know, the Nintendo Entertainment System boom. And from that, you got a lot of stuff from Japan that had never been released over here. And they were, I don't know, taking the uh, taking the ROMs and putting them on cartridges so people could play them over here in the United States. And Sweet Home was was one of them. And that was like the this horror video game from from Japan, which never was released in the United States. So I got to play that and then found out that there was a movie that was based on the video game. And I'm like, oh, OK, I, I, that, that sounds cool. I'm going to have to track this down. And then I found out it was from the same director who uh, did Cure and Pulse. And I'm, I was instantly sold. I'm like, OK, this is going to be great. And it's a lot different than those than those movies. So it's his first, I guess, real movie. Uh, he did direct something uh, something before that, but it was uh, not uh, what you would call high art. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was part of that uh, pink craze in, in Japan, if if uh, if those in the know know what that is. But um, this was his first like feature film uh, that he directed, and I don't know how they got him from that to direct in kids games or kids, you know, uh, movies based on on kids video games, but. It's really, really good. Uh, you could see the talent that he has that would be demonstrated later on in this film. Like there, this is one of, and of course it's it's Japan. And so if I was to say it's it's weird, then a lot of people would say, well, of course it's 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 Japan. But it really is. It's uh, there is so many crazy things that happen in this. It has a really great story. It's uh, about this camera crew that are filming this documentary in this in this haunted mansion. And it's there, there's a lot of slapstick in this movie that's actually and uh, there, there's a lot of it that actually lands. Some of the some of the lines in this movie are, are hilarious. Uh, the use of shadow. So when we get on to like spookiness and all that stuff, it's uh, the use of shadow in this film is brilliant. And then you you think you kind of know what you're in for. And then it just gets really gory. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness. Like I had no idea that that was coming. Um so you get that, and it, it, so this movie just continually keeps you off kilter and off base, and it's it's just an absolute blast. And then, like I say, uh, the ending for this film is just absolutely bonkers. It is like you will never see that ending coming. It is it's it's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's crazy. It's perfect. Uh, and I I absolutely love this film. Nice, yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've heard a lot of praise for it. Uh, I mean, that's kind of um, what you're saying is like really right in line with where I remember um, all the the stuff about it from. So yeah, it's definitely one that I'm trying to find and check out. So yeah, it, it it's not one that I can say you know I'll have to add it. You know, like I I mean I, I've heard of it before, but yeah, it's definitely one that's gone a little bit higher up on my uh, list now. Yeah, uh, so Kurosawa, yeah. Kurosawa definitely saw Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> like the influences are heavy in in this film. Cool. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, definitely another selling point there. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, moving on to uh, my number 10, um, I, I kind of figured it'd be easy to start off the list by uh, getting rid of the grime and the sleaze and, uh, you know, go from there. So uh, my number 10 is 1996's Ebola syndrome. Oh, <laughs> Okay. So uh, this one's uh, pretty simple. Um, basically, a uh, guy from Hong Kong who's uh, the slimiest, greasiest, most degenerate person you've ever lived. 
Um, basically, he works in a meatpacking plant and thinks nothing of jacking it off inside the meat when he hears his boss having sex in the room next door. So, um, yeah, he he literally will jack off into a meat and then pr- put it into the grinder for preparation for tomorrow's meal. Uh, that's basically one of the pleasant things he does. He uh, is uh, marked for death because of uh, allegations that he's actually sleeping with his boss's wife while he's, you know, having an affair with the girl, which is, you know, the stuff that he hears and jacks off about. So he heads to South Africa, where he hides out and uh, ends up contracting the Ebola virus and decides what better uh, plan of revenge for the guy that almost tried to kill me for uh, sleeping with his wife than to spread Ebola around Hong Kong. And uh, chaos ensues. Um, yeah, the, 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 just by the plot description alone, uh, you can say that the film goes there. Um, murder, necrophilia, uh, rape, secondhand rape, uh, you know, dismemberment, bodily fluids, uh, you know, child endangerment, whatever you want to call this film does it. But it's endearing the entire time because the guy is just so unhinged and so crazy that it re- it retains watchability even when he's doing these vile, disgusting things. So even though you see him and he literally will pull a slab of meat over his dick and jerk off inside of it, or he'll think nothing of, you know, screwing some di- some hooker who's passed out cold on the ground next to him. He he's still a watchable dude, and he still has you know. Uh, I mean, I, it's really hard to say humanity to him because it, you know what he does and all the this kind of stuff. But the fact that it actually presents him in this manner, and he you know carries the film as well as he does, to me it really has a lot to like about it. And a lot of the you know, a lot of the effects are re- incredibly well done. As you see, like the virus starts to take hold, and you see all the you know, not just him, but like all the people that he's, you know, infected and, you know, get, they contracted the disease and all the after effects and all that. All of that is really, really gross and disturbing and well done. So it kind of adds like a small little tinge of body horror to everything, especially as you start to see like, you know, his face will start developing pustules and, you know, all of the ooze and grime and, you know, oozing you know open sores start to you know fester all over him a lot of that kind of adds like a really like unhinged you know it adds even more to the unhinged quality because he's trying to escape from capture and everything that's going on around him so yeah uh, it's not one for the squeamish it's not one for those that uh you know are easily upset or you know worry about all the pc activity that goes on in today's culture but if you can stomach it it's a ride and uh not for everyone but uh it's one for me so uh my number 10 is ebola syndrome <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah uh yeah i have I, i've seen that one you're right it's uh man it's it's bonkers and you know i kind of like um how you know you're trying to figure out like why you're entertained or you know why this character is yeah, uh, compelling, you know, and it, it's it's kind of the same thing. So I I kind of thought about it like uh, the house that Jack built with, you know, Matt Dillon's character. Yeah, like, where he's doing these like reprehensible things, uh, but it's just so entertaining that it just keeps you engaged. So, yeah. you know, obviously, you don't identify with the person. Uh, <laughs> it's just so crazy uh, that it is it ends up being it ends up being entertaining. Yeah. So I, I found this. Yeah. 
just wholly unpleasant. <laughs> but I I enjoyed my time with it. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I mean that's kind of where my taste goes. I, I kind of veer a little bit more to the extreme, which is uh some of the stuff we'll see coming up later on. Which uh you I mean I know you, but um to say to the listeners that uh, you know the stuff goes there, yeah it does. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about with all the, you know, vile sexual stuff that he goes through. So yeah. uh, no need to uh, recount all of that for you. But um, like I said, uh, you know, jacking off into meat and then serving it to people is not, um, you know, the, the is that the most vile thing he does in the film? So no. we'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Your yeah, uh, discretion is advised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, moving on to uh, number nine. All right. So uh, my number nine. And let me just say that these are in no particular order except for number one. Number one is my favorite Asian horror film of all time. But the rest of them are kind of interchangeable. I just they're, they're just here on the list and I love them all. So, uh, you know, let let that be said. So if uh, if you're listening and something comes higher than something else and you're like, well, why would that be higher? Then that, that's the reason. It's not necessarily higher or that I think it's better, more enjoyable. It's just, ten, these are 10, but number one is is absolutely my number one. Um, so number 10 on my list is a uh, film that had a profound impact on, on me during my formative years, and that is uh, 2001's uh, Takashi Miyake's, uh, and I said that all wrong, uh, but we'll just roll with it, Ichi the Killer. Um, <laughs> so... I love Ichi the Killer. So, uh, there, there were probably a lot of people, and rightfully so, that would credit Audition as as his masterpiece, as his best film. But Ichi the Killer is is far and away my favorite film. And you know, much like uh, the Ebola syndrome, what we just talked about, there are some there are some crazy things in this movie. Now, not maybe not necessarily to that extent, uh, but this one also uh, goes to some very, very dark places. Uh, it plays with some uh, sadomasochistic behavior from uh, one of our characters, well, a couple, a couple of our characters. And, and in fact, let me just let me just say right from the very beginning, you and this is probably a well-known fact. And if you're a fan of Asian horror, you probably know this already. But for those that are not well versed in it, the opening credits uh, emerge from actual semen. <laughs> so that's the thing in in this movie. And so we we follow our uh, titular uh, Ichi, and he is just this this devastated character. Uh, he's been you know brainwashed. He's been manipulated by by these handlers and sent forth on this absolutely gory bloody task of annihilating uh this gang and man uh we get another another character kakihara and again i'm I'm messing all these names up that's the one thing like i love the genre but i am horrible uh with these pronunciations uh but i'm gonna do my best um and you know all he is looking for is somebody that is is his equal somebody that can give him enough pain to to satisfy him and this movie just contains torture and fighting and violence and rape and it is insane it's over the top it's it's classic uh, Mie, uh Mieke, and it's it's just 
an absolute wild ride. And just to share a, a funny story. <laughs> so um, I've loved this film for years. And so this will this will kind of tell you uh, where you are with, you know, maybe maybe this movie. Um, but I showed this to my co-host, Gabby. And so we watched we watched this one together and she was getting physically ill <laughs> watching this movie. <laughs> so we had to turn it off. <laughs> And then uh, when we were when we were uh, you know talking back and forth earlier, she's like, "Each of the killers is going to be on your list, isn't it?" And I'm like, "Oh, damn right it is." <laughs> <laughs> so I love this movie. Uh, number nine is Each of the Killer. Nice. Um, I I kind of agree. I prefer Audition as a film, but I I have a little bit more fun with Ichi because I, I I think that you know the, the craziness just feels like way too chaotic and random like it's just you know i'm upping the ante whereas audition is a lot more measured and there's like a lot more you know he put more technical skill set into it whereas he just let himself go crazy with ichi and to me that's always been my distinction between the two because i'm very close on both and uh, they're actually both on my honorable mentions list of 20 (laughs) Uh, so yeah um yeah, that, that to me that's always been my distinction. I've always said audition is the better movie, but I've had more fun with EG because it's just more res- unrestrained and just you know it feels a lot more um, you know freeform and chaotic and you know he's just allowed to let loose. So yeah, um, I, I kind of agree on that. So um, I mean, like I said, they're both on my honorable mentions of twenty. So. <laughs> um, for uh, comparison's sake, this is going to sound really funny because, uh, you know, all of our stuff has been about bodily fluids and, you know, all kinds of vile and disgusting degenerate stuff. And yet uh, my number nine is uh, decidedly different. I went with Mr. Vampire from 1985. Um, yeah, this is just an all-time classic for me. Um, it's uh, what is known as a uh, junk she film or what is known as a hopping vampire. Um, It basically is what it sounds like. It's a walking corpse, um, you know, dressed in full, you know, funeral regalia, you know, they're dressed, you know, fully up, but they're uh, stiff as a board. They have their arms outstretched and they basically look like, uh, you know, Frankenstein with, you know, the, the arms outstretched. But they're, like I said, they're stiff as a board and they move by hopping, but they stay stiff as a board the entire time. So it's a stiff movement and then they're back to that same, you know, arms outstretched movement. And as soon as they uh, find a prey item, they turn into Jackie Chan meets Jet Li. And uh, they are Kung Fu masters of the highest order. So, um, yeah, this is a mixture of uh, three or four different uh, type of genres because it's a slapstick comedy of the uh, you know Jackie Chan variety if you've seen any of his um, Hong Kong films of the 80s so you know films like uh, you know police story or um, project a uh, you know once upon a time in America not America but um, uh, operation Condor that's the one I'm thinking of yeah you know armor of the gods and you know that, that kind of stuff that's like the kind of humor that you're mixing getting in with these these kinds of films alongside uh you know yeah there's tinges of horror but it's not like really up at the forefront it's also uh, most likely a kung fu film but you know the horror is just enough in there with you know the vampires trying to overtake the the town and all that 
but I have an absolute blast with this. Uh, I, I mean, there's some genuine comedy in here. The um, the the little side story with the the wife who's you know the daughter who's you know this wealthy Parisian you know this wealthy aristocrat who's uh, somehow uh, misidentified as a prostitute for coming into a store and asking where she can find a. Uh, uh, there's, there's a huge misunderstanding. It's been a while, so I, I apologize if I get the scene wrong. But uh, you know, the whole thing is that you know she's this wealthy aristocrat, and she, you know, she, apparently through a misunderstanding, she's uh, mis. You know, the the mix-up is that you know they think she's a prostitute instead. So it's it's a you know it kind of has some laughs like that. But you know the, the martial arts, the action sequences are just amazing. They're just jaw-dropping stuff, and you know you forget that it's kind of a horror film at times. But I think there's just enough involved there to, you know, make it count on this list. Uh, you know, it's not as high up as it should be. If you know, if I was talking like how much fun I have with this, it'd be much higher, closer to the top. But because there's not as much horror in it as some of the other stuff kind of bumped it down just a touch but uh, it's still in my uh, top 10 so yeah uh for me number nine is uh mr vampire oh, very nice yeah i've heard so much about mr vampire and i still i've just never made it around uh to watching it because i for some reason i just cannot get the you know the image of the hopping vampire out of my head and thinking like this is going to translate uh but i've heard so many good things about it so i know i need to just i need to just sit down and and watch this film and i guarantee I, yeah i'm 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 going to love it but i've never seen it so far <laughs> cool all right well uh, i guess that moves us to number 8 all right uh number 8 on my list is the most derivative film on my list, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it. So it's uh, 2012's Don't Click from South Korea. And I, I say it's derivative because this is basically South Korea, and I know that they did a, a ring, but this is this is another ring. Uh, it's basically the, the, the ring from South Korea done in 2012, so probably 10 years too late. And uh, it is about two sisters who stumble upon a cursed video, <laughs> but it's uh, a cursed internet video. And so, you know, if you if you watch it, and it's it's if if you've seen the ring, if if you know if you've seen any of that stuff, you've seen this movie. But it actually does it really well. And the relationship between the two sisters. So that's that's what this movie has going for it. It has. So the relationship between the sisters is really good. The acting in this is fantastic. It's 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 really good and keeps you engaged. The characters are believable. The story is actually pretty good, even though that you've seen all this before. Uh, even as it even goes to the point where you think that you have defeated the evil, but it's not really gone. And there is a uh, there is a whole nother finale after uh, the conclusion that you thought <laughs> had happened. So, it's, I mean, it is uh, completely cliche, uh, but this is in the best way possible. And it's so hard for me to describe that. Uh, but it's generally creepy. It really is. The, the video that they use, uh, the story, and again, you could see it coming a mile away. But it, it, it is legitimately uh, creepy. The scares in this movie land for me, and uh, the acting is fantastic. And so that's why it's number eight on my list, even though, um, again, it's not the most original project. 
Yeah, that was always one of my issues with it was um, I, I I saw this 10 years ago. <laughs> um, I, I haven't seen it in a few years. Maybe time will be a little kinder to it. Um, I mean, I, I, I have seen it. And I know what you're talking about. But yeah, my thing with through this was um, why isn't this called a, you know, ring sequel? Um, <laughs> that was always uh, my thing with this. And, you know, that was, you know, like just swap one or two things and you know this is you know sadako in the digital age kind of a thing um maybe i maybe a rewatch would be in order because it's been a while um but yeah my my thing running through that was always i've seen this before so um you know i'll give it another shot so yeah um moving on to my number eight um well this is one of the films that i said uh you know it goes there uh one of my uh guilty pleasures um i i absolutely love this um 2008 tokyo gore police okay. so basically with this one um there's a peace treaty between humans and mutants who are uh genetically engineered you know with superhuman powers and various abilities and stuff and eventually they decide to revolt and rise up and you know overtake society and a task force is, is uh, you know, assigned to try to keep them in order and protect the populace. Chaos ensues, as you would expect. But, oh man, I, I just absolutely have a ball with this one. Um, if you ever wanted to see a special effects technician demo reel, uh, this is probably one of the best uh, examples of that that you could ever find in the history of cinema. Uh, I mean, the the stuff that goes on in this is just so over the top and so bizarre and so creative and original and just I, I I'm sure some of you would be familiar with this if even if you aren't um the infamous gif of this girl who uh she's laying on the floor in this bloody hallway and uh the camera you know obscures her face but as you pan down you realize that uh where her legs are when they meet their body is not human legs but actually a uh, opening crocodile skull uh that is a still from this movie um i should say still that is a gift from this movie um that is the kind of a, uh material that you'll find in tokyo gore police um and that is just scratching the surface um the opening minutes of this involve uh one of the gnarliest decapitations and you know spurting geyser fountains of uh you know blood i've ever seen and uh it just goes crazy from there and you know it's one of those films that just it's kind of like the original dawn of the dead where they keep saying you know like you become numb to the violence where it's just oh well that's another limb de you know limb detachment or that's just another person that gets their jaw ripped off or that's just another person that gets a hole punched through their stomach but it's done in such a way where it keeps its where it keeps itself going, and it, you know, even though it's like nearly two hours, there's still so much involved in this one that it kind of stays as engaging and organic as it keeps going. You know, it just keeps on throwing more creatures and more stuff for you know the hero to overcome. But yeah, I, I have a blast with this. Uh, you know, I am a gorehound first and foremost. That's one of my favorite stuff you know favorite genres in the you know the, the horror community so anytime something is made with the express purpose of uh serving as a special effects technicians demo reel like this one is you're gonna get high remarks so for me uh number eight is tokyo gore police 
yeah, that's a that's an amazing choice. I I have so much fun with that film. Uh, and you're right. Like, I I know that uh, that people have said it's it's kind of long, but it keeps itself fresh in a way that you're you you know it's it's continuing to go in in new and weird uh, directions constantly. And uh, you know to the point where you get the uh, the blood jetpack. <laughs> 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 that point, I was just I was losing it. I'm like, okay, this is this is amazing. Uh, so yeah, I love that. I love that pick. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on to number seven. All right, number seven on my list. Maybe uh, as I look down through here, maybe the weirdest. And it's 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 not that weird, but uh, the feeling is is the weirdest on the on on the list, and that's 1998's Tomie. And I when I when I first watched this, I really did not know how to feel about it. Uh, but the more that I watched it uh, over the years, I, I just have loved it more and more. Uh, again, you know, Asia and Japan in particular is really, really good at doing, uh, you know, the, the nihilism and the, the hopelessness of the situation. And this is a wonderful, wonderful character for that. So. If you're unfamiliar with Tomie, it is a work by Junji Ito, and it's it it's strange. So it's uh so Tomie is this love demon, and all the guys want to be with her, and all the females are you know jealous of her or want to be with her, you know depending on what your preference is, and um, it it it's just crazy. So there's all this jealousy. And eventually somebody kills her, usually beheads her, but then she just replicates and continues to come back. But in this specific movie, you have this this, you know, this one student who has had a run in with her in the past, but has forgotten everything. And so she's trying to solve the mystery of her past, uh, trying to find out who Tomie is because she starts she shows up. Weird stuff starts happening uh, there's a, <laughs> a cop in here who is obsessed with the case and trying to find out what's uh, what's going on. And, um, you know, then you get this wonderful, ambiguous ending uh, that that I love after this crazy showdown in the hospital. Um, it's it is so strange. It, it's and it's not even like I know that describing it, it doesn't sound that weird, but it's just the. There is just this vibe in in this film that is just so kind of off-putting, and I I really dug it for that. Nice, yeah. Um, I haven't seen the original, but I've seen a couple of the sequels. I can't recall which ones they were. I want to say it's Tomie versus Tomie. Okay. I know. I I think that's one of them. And I think another one is Tomie Unlimited. Yeah. I think. Uh, those are the two that I think I've seen. I, I've seen at least one more. Um, but I, I can't recall what the, what the other one is. For, I'm, those are the two names in my head that I'm, I'm, I'm most familiar with when you say that. So I, I haven't seen the original. But um, like I said, I, I've seen at least two, two, maybe three of the sequels. So yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to you know find the original, but uh, you know, really hard to find it. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen at least a couple of them, so it's something. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that is one way to put it. Yeah, I, one of the other ones that people are real familiar with that, because they had it at Blockbuster for a little while was Tomie Reborn, and uh, that's where she is. And I don't remember; I've only seen it one time. But it's like I know that th there's this whole plot where she is in this hospital and messing people up in this hospital while while she is being regrown in this tank in this basement. Um, and I just remember really liking that one as well. Hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I know that there's at least like seven or eight of them, but I, I've seen yeah. at least two or three. So um, can't comment on the original, but I, I, I can say I, I've seen at least two or three of the sequels. So um, for my number seven, um, this is one of the one of the earliest Asian horror films I saw. Um, even it may it may not be the well, it's not the first. I'll explain that one later. But um, this was like one of the first ones that I saw after. Um, you know, like when I, once I first started getting into it, and it was one that kind of really stuck with me, and it's always been one that I've always really uh, fondly recalled uh, ever since. Um, I went with 2001's A Tale of Two Sisters. Yeah. Um, I just an absolute classic. Um, so basically, a woman is released from a mental hospital and uh, reunites with her sister after the death of their mother um, to find out that the father has remarried um, to the nanny who was there taking care of uh, the mother just before her um, just before her death. And uh, to make matters worse, a ghost shows up and uh, complicates matters uh, for everybody involved. And uh I'll keep it at that because uh, to me, the the drawing power to this one beyond some of the greatest ghost sequences that uh, South Korea has ever produced, the majority of the impact for me with this one is uh, the final half hour where we get all the revelations and the twists and all of, all of that stuff. And when I say that my jaw dropped, um, I cannot express enough how much that twist threw me when I first saw it because I am not a guy that really goes in for twists i'm not looking for them um so when they they find you know i i'm really susceptible to them but this is one of the first ones where i just sat there and i was like whoa and i remember just that distinct feeling of thinking like wow this thing really threw me because i did not see where this thing was going and i i really don't want to that you know the, the majority of the film is really good like there's some genuine creepy scares the you know the, the ghost is kind of you know there but it's not really there you know kind of it, it it's a ghost movie but it's kind of like on the outskirts of the story because it's really more of like the sisterly uh, bond that goes through the rest of the movie but when you get to the final half hour and you get all the revelations and all the, you know, the big reveals and, you know, explanations for everything, that's really where this one really got me. And it was one of, like I said, um, when I say what my first one was, you know, it'll be one of the, you know, it'll kind of like, you know, make a like lick and say, okay, yeah, this is kind of why he likes Asian horror, but sorry for, you know, later on tonight. But when I, like I said, when I first saw this one, this was like one of the the big, the first ones that really wowed me and impressed me. And it's always been one that stuck with me ever since. So it's one that I, I really have to, you know, put on this list. But um, the fact that all the, the ones before this are just amazing and, you know, they, they, they hit just as hard, if not harder than this one. But the fact that I saw this one, it was one of the first ones that sparked my love of the genre. It's always been one that I have to, you know, praise and bring out and uh for me that's uh tale of two sisters 
Yeah, that's that's great. And I knew your affinity for this film, so that's why it's not on my list. So I cheated a little bit <laughs> because I knew <laughs> how much you like this one. So I'm like, okay, it's gonna yeah, be on, um, it's, it's going to be on Don's list. So I don't have to put it on mine. I can I can yeah, pick something else. One that, uh, <laughs> I, I think I've exp- I think I've talked about this one maybe on another show. Like I said, you know, maybe that's where you've heard it. I know I've spoken about this at least on one other occasion. Um. I mean, to show you how much I appreciate this one, I actually even really like The Uninvited, the American remake of this one, yeah. just because it's actually really close to it. And it kind of, you know, not necessarily shot for shot, but it's, you know, close enough remake. But yeah, um, the fact that I actually like the remake, uh, even the even like the, you know, the terrible American remake is an example of how much I like the original. So um, yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, I knew, you, you know, you're familiar with my you know appreciation for this one then I, i'm probably you know preaching to the choir with this one so. <laughs> yeah it's fantastic it's absolutely it's a it's a masterpiece I, I don't have to say much more about it than than that and i don't want to because again yeah i don't want to i don't want to run this for anybody if you've not seen a tale of two sisters you've got to watch it uh, not only for that but they're i mean they're the the wicked stepmother in this movie is fantastic uh, so yeah, I mean, this whole, this whole movie is, is, is great. So, uh, I love it. All right. So, uh, moving on to number six. Number six is 2004's Shudder from Thailand. Now, this is a, uh, a movie that actually scared me. Now, th- this movie terrified me and right, right from the very beginning where, I, and I don't want to I don't want to spoil all the scares and stuff like that. But we uh, we get a, a driving scene where you think one thing happens and uh, it's OK. Let me just say that nothing in this movie is as it seems. And I love that. Not only do you get that but, and that kind of that kind of prepares you for a little bit for what is in store later on. But when this film wraps up you feel a completely different way about every single character in this film. And it's genius. It's, it's so genius. But on top of that, it's, it's legitimately terrifying. There, there is a scene that involves a bed and a ladder and (laughs) it's like my skin was crawling uh, during, during that portion of the film. And, um, I forget what the girlfriend's name is, but when she's when she's searching the college and I don't again, I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much about this one. But when she's looking for the ghost in the college or looking for something anyway, um, and it it's just I kept expecting something to happen. And I like with every single Polaroid taken, I was just like, oh, oh, (laughs) I was like, I just kept going back in my chair Uh, just. Uh, expecting the worst. I I absolutely adore Shudder. It's so much fun. It's it's uh it's scary and like I said, it just twists things upon its head so well. Yeah, uh, I'm not the hugest fan of this one. I think it's one of the the lesser ones in the the scene. But uh, I I agree. There's still a few uh, solid moments. That apartment thing with the the Polaroid thing that that gags those gags always get me. I, I'm a sucker for the slow walk through the darkened room and you know the flash of light using as the the flashlight. That the, those gags always get me. And I, I do agree. I the the finale to this one is just an absolute you know gut punch again. It's 
not on the level of a tale of two sisters but uh you know maybe like a notch or two below it in terms of you know psychologically impactful um i i i'm just not as much of a fan of it but uh i i still like it it's still got some solid stuff to it so um can't really say much but uh yeah it's solid choice so uh for me um this is going to be kind of the uh, the start of the modern stuff, because uh, for me, this is one of the, the, the big shining bright points in uh, my movie watching is seeing uh, modern Asian horror come to the forefront and, uh, you know, specifically the last uh, four or five years. And this is one of uh, my hidden highlights. And uh, it kind of has a little bit more of a value to me because I got to actually talk to the director about this one and ask some questions about it. But uh, I went with 2020's The Queen of Black Magic. So uh, this one is, uh, you know, 2020, so it's pretty modern, but uh, it's also found on Shutter if you're interested. Uh, basically involves a uh, family who come together at an orphanage to uh, celebrate the you know upcoming passing because he hasn't gone yet but they're called back to the um the orphanage where they where they grew up with a bunch of other um people in their class that uh, were you know adapted you know in the similar time frame as theirs but the owner is about to pass away and they want to go back and pay their respects and come to find out that once they get there all hell breaks loose um you know literally <laughs> uh you know trying to keep these things spoiler free but um yeah uh things go off the rails almost immediately and uh you know from people cutting themselves open with glass shards to uh you know maggots and centipedes bursting out of their veins to um, vomiting up live animals and all kinds of just gruesome brutal brutal uh stuff and come to find out that there's this long hidden secret between everybody that uh, you know, uh, the title should kind of be a little little hint. I'm not going to give everything away, but the, it should be a little bit of a hint about what's going on. But oh man, this this was just an absolute delight. Um, I had actually seen the original, and I was actually um, the original was actually one on my list for a while before I, I saw this one. And when I first saw this, the, the this blew me away. Um, it's like I said, uh, you know. I'm a big gore hound, so over-the-top blood spurting, you know, old-school effects with spurting wounds and maggots and creatures flowing out of your body. Oh, man, that is an absolute delight. And, yeah, all of the, you know, the effects in this are top-notch. It's just an absolute delight. And, you know, you get a bun you get a, a decent story wrapped around all of it, not, you know, the, the most original and everything, but it's just, you know... It works for this kind of film, and that's really all that matters for me. But, um, yeah, if you haven't seen this one, it's one of the highlights of uh, this modern Indonesian scene that is just absolutely blowing me away with every film I see. Um, you'll figure that out pretty soon with a couple of my next picks. But, yeah, um, for me, one of the, the big highlights in the, the modern Asian horror scene is uh, The Queen of Black Magic. Um the original is good too. Uh, don't get me wrong. The original has got its merits as well because this is a remake. But uh, the re the remake to this one is just an absolute blast and uh, one of my favorite Asian horror films. 
Yeah, this is uh, that's that's a, a wonderful pick, and I've never, I I have not seen the original one, so I've only seen uh, this remake from 2020. But yeah, it was a, a wonderful discovery once they uh, once they released that on Shutter, because you know you kind of you kind of get in this this mindset a little bit that you know the Asian horror boom, and I, I guess the the Asian horror boom, yes, is is past, but they are still producing so much good stuff uh and so you know I, I i saw this and yeah i as as i'm i'm watching the film i'm just like oh oh <laughs> so uh, i i really had a good time with this one as well uh high 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 recommend and yeah if you have a shutter account you can go there right now and check it out all right so with that we go to number five number five yeah five, yep uh, so number five, speaking of being a gorehound, and now, now, now I, I say that this is not the goriest film on the list, but it does contain a lot of violence, and it is 2010's I Saw the Devil, and this movie was a revelation for me. Uh, I absolutely, and I forget, I, sh- I should have wrote it down, but the actor that plays, uh, oh God, what is, uh, oh, I did write it down. It's uh, Choi Min-sick. Min- uh <laughs> that is terrible uh but as chung Sol, uh you know the the psychopath in in this movie and he is just delightfully deranged and uh it's it's a oh my goodness it's it's so amazing like there are so many scenes in this movie that he is just completely you know chewing the scenery uh or you know or you know just being like so just nasty and gnarly or you know and, and the next one so intimidating and, and it's amazing amazing uh the the cab scene is worth the price of admission alone for this for this film but there is so many like this i love the cat and mouse game uh with the secret agent who is also funny enough the the guy that plays snake eyes in the gi joe franchise <laughs> So I, I love that that cat and mouse game. And I South Korea just does revenge films so well. And there, there there's so many of them and they're just brilliant. I love their take on it. You know, whereas in, a, in America, it's, you know, somebody does you wrong and you mess them up and, you know, good. We just go about our, you know, we go we go about our lives where at South Korea seems to say that you can go down this path. But it's going to affect and it's going to touch everything in your circle and it's never going to have a positive ending. And I absolutely love that. And this film is, like I said, it is violent. Uh, it is exciting. Uh, it's well shot. It, there are scenes in here that are just beautiful. It's it's incredibly acted. It's a powerhouse of a movie. This is in my top five uh, of all time. I love I Saw the Devil. Yeah, it's nice. Um, I absolutely love this movie too. Um, I though I don't consider these revenge thrillers uh, horror films, so it's not yeah. on my list for that reason. Although I, I will say this is the closest, and this is the one that I think makes the uh, the, the big the clo- the best argument for why they should. But um, for me, I've always said if you have to think about it, it's really not. Um, because for me, if it's a for like when it comes to like genre classification, that should be like a definite, like an absolute. Like if you have to think about it, it's really not. 
because you know if it's putting doubt in your mind then there's elements that they don't it, there's you know the fact that it's not but it, for me that's just my own personal take on the matter i'm sure others are you know they have a different mind and they're going to be upset that i don't have this on my list but um if we talked about you know horror horror adjacent films from uh, asia that are worth your time and admission um I will stand beside you and I will flag a flag as high as I can because uh, I completely agree. This is absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, uh, that cab sequence, um, I cannot speak highly of how they came up with this, but um, if you haven't seen that, um, that piece alone, uh, what are you doing with your life as a cinephile? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the one of, if not the the best sequence I've ever seen in uh, movie history. Uh, I, I mean, like in terms of like movie history, uh, that scene. It just from the technical standpoint of how they came up with it, not just the creativity to, to think of the sequence in that the first place, but the the technical wherewithal to pull it off. Um, to me, it's up there. So, um, I mean, like I said, not horror enough to make my list, but um, in terms of being a fan of it, um, I, I'm right there with you. So uh, moving on to uh, my number five, uh, I think earlier you spoke of uh, Don't Click as being uh, the most derivative. And uh, for me, this one is uh, my most uh, derivative choice. Um, although I went with a slightly different route, I went with 2018's Gonjam Haunted Asylum. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, to, this is one of uh, my favorite um, Asian horror films, and I can probably even also claim that this is my favorite found footage film. So uh, if you haven't seen this, it's basically South Korea's answer to Grave Encounters, a uh, team of, uh, you know, YouTube, you know, web show, paranormal, whatever, you know, whatever, ha you know, terms you want to use, uh, basically decides to spend the night in the titular location, which is uh, Ganjam Asylum, which they say is uh, the home of a, an old, you know, doctor that did all kinds of crazy medical experiments and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, things go haywire. And I'll just leave it at that. But... <clears throat> Man, when that when I first saw this one, this one uh, absolutely won me over. Um, and this was at a point when I wasn't a huge Tron footage fan, so I was actually not even really looking forward to this. And it took me a while to actually get to it because I, you know, at the time I was kind of burnt out on the on the the style. But uh, it, it did it, this worked on me. Um, the atmosphere is just amazing. The gags are fantastic. The final half hour to this thing and it. To me, it's one of the finest pieces of genre cinema I've ever seen, because this is some of the material that legitimately creeped me out. And part of that is one of the the few tricks that the, this thing pulls off, and they they do it several times. And it's the the gag they do with their eyes. <clears throat> if you've seen it, you know what I mean. But to me, that eye gag that they do in this film. And I'm not talking, you know, like a Fulci film where, you know, it's in a person that gets their eyes cut out. But there's an eye gag in this thing that creeps me out to no end. And it's one of the, the few things that legitimately gets under my skin. And they do it twice in this film, and it gets me every time. And it's just a whole part of, you know, like this whole, you know, unraveling with demons and these, you know, 
evil, you know, these spirits that are far more dangerous than what you think is actually inside the asylum. And, uh, you know, as it goes on, it just, you know, becomes more unsettling and more creepy and more terrifying. And it's one of the few times that it's actually legitimately gotten to me. And it's gotten under my skin to a point where I legitimately felt myself being affected by it. And there's only been two other films that have done this. And, you know, this is the third one. And like I said, there's only been three that it's done it. And this is the the most recent one. So for me, uh, the fact that it did that uh, deserves a place on my list. So for number five, Gonjam Haunted Asylum. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I love it. I love this movie so much. And I was I, and it's funny, like how similar our stories were. So I, when I saw the previews to this, I just was not excited. Uh, but yeah. eventually I, I ended up I ended up watching it. And for the first few minutes, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. But as we kept yep. going in, I yep. had more and more fun with the movie as as it went along. And till it, I realized at, at a certain point that, yeah, it was it was legitimately like creeping me out. <laughs> so I was having having a good time with it, like spending spending time with these uh, this, you know, web team or this uh, this team that runs this web show and stuff like that. And um, but. When it goes to, oh, I don't know, the 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 room, and I'm just going to say the room, when it gets to yeah. that point, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so oh, yeah. creepy, it's so well done, um, and yeah, yeah I, I, I absolutely dig it. I dig when they find the girl in the woods, uh, when she just pops up, uh, yeah, there's so much good stuff in this movie. Yeah, uh, like, you know, like I said, uh, this was at a time when I was so burnt out, I almost missed it. So, yeah, if you're like you were like me and you were kind of, you know, not on the fence about it just because it's a found footage film. Do yourself a favor and watch this, because this is one that will probably get you back on the fence. So uh, with that, we'll move on to number four. Okay, so number four on my list, I'm going to keep this one nice and short because it's it's going to be hard to say anything about this movie without spoiling things and so i don't want to spoil anything in this movie if you've not seen it and that's uh 2010's dream home from china it is kind of kind of a commentary on the housing market and it is really really violent uh it's it's a what some people call a slasher film uh, now, I don't necessarily agree that it's that it's a slasher film by, you know, the strictest definition, and it's certainly not fun. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it's it's not, but it's really, really impactful. And you find yourself identifying and putting yourself in the shoes of our main character in this film. And I don't want to again, I don't I really don't want to say anything about it other than. It's really worth the watch. This is a fantastic film. It it pulls at your heartstrings. Like you, you're gonna watch this film and you're gonna feel frustrated, but in a good way. Like because you understand the the plight of the people in in this movie, and so it's it, it's just really 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 good at playing on uh, your emotions. Some probably some of the experiences that some of us have had. And when this movie wraps up, it goes to some really, really uh, dark places, which uh, I'm here for. 
I completely concur. Uh, that is another one of the 20 on my honorable mentions list. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I completely agree. I love the commentary on this. Uh, the main girl is a fantastic. I love the character arc there. Brutal, over the top in the best way. I, I'm not a fan of the ending. I, I don't like where it goes. And that's kind of where it kind of kept me off of it. But yeah, the I, I can say 95% of this film is amazing. So yeah, it, like I said, it's an honorable mention on my uh, list of 20, but um, it's definitely worth watching. So uh, moving on to uh, my number four. Um, again, this is another of the more, more modern uh, stuff. And uh, this is, uh, to me, the one that kind of kick-started uh, the modern Asian horror um, renaissance. Um, not, it, it's not the, the, the most chronological one, because there, there's actually one that's a little bit earlier than this, but this is the first one that I saw. And yeah, I had been out of it for a little while, not necessarily just, you know, access to a lot of good stuff, because, like, the early part of like the the tw the 2010s there was like a real kind of like lack of good films coming out um you know there's a there's a few that had trickled over but you know you weren't really getting like you know the you know you weren't getting like a ringu or a juan or you weren't really getting like you know the, the big stuff and it kind of put me off of it for a little while and i i saw this one and this one was the one that really kind of kick-started my interest in it and the film following this one is going to be the one that solidified my interest in it. So I know that that one would be the one that kickstarted, you know, the modern Asian horror scene, but this is the one for me that I saw first. And that's 2017 Satan slaves. So uh, this is uh, again, another Indonesian uh, film. It's a remake of uh, a 1980 or 81. I don't remember the actual year. But uh, basically, a uh, family have, finds that their mother has passed away, and uh, they're about to go through the mourning process, and things go crazy. And uh, at first, you think it's a haunted house film, and then you think it's a curse movie, and then you think it's a zombie film. And then you find out that it's all these things wrapped up, plus it's a witch revenge movie. And all of these elements surprisingly go so well together that you don't even notice that everything but the kitchen sink is thrown into this. And uh, I, I, I just I fell in love with this. Um, for those of you that are familiar with the term, this is uh, pretty much you know this falls right in line with like the Wannaverse style jump scare factory kind of a film where it's you know things popping up behind you and you have like that loud crash on the music on the you know the soundtrack behind you but then all of a sudden it's like completely silent after the fact and you know you realize that you know all of that stuff is just designed to like throw you off guard as all of these revelations just keep getting brought up and you know they're exposed and all that kind of stuff and as it goes along all these just weird elements just keep being brought up and you you find out that the mother was into witchcraft and you realize that she made this pact with the devil and she you know you know this pact has become broken and now that all these things because of that all these things have to be repaid and all of these you know it's going to affect the family but is it really going to you know because you can find a, you know a workaround and then you find out that this workaround has a price to it and then you know you you know things just go crazy from there and 
all the time you're still being inundated with all these haunted houses, you know, these haunted house jump scares and ghosts and demons and stuff. And uh, it's just so amazing. And it's so well done. It's absolutely amazing what they pulled off with this thing. And it looks great. It has all the, you know, the technical whistles that you would want, but it's just a It's just a fun time. And, you know, you've got all these elements brought into it and it just works. It just comes together. And, like I said, there's a film from a year before, which may be a hint of my next choice that uh, I would say is the actual legitimate Kickstarter for the modern Asian horror revival. But uh, since I saw this one first, this is the one that I, I kind of credited as being the one that kind of got me back into Asian horror, um, the more modern stuff. So uh, I went with 2016's, 2017 Satan Slaves. Yeah, it's it's it, it's really good. It's funny because like I'm, I was just waiting for like a you know a don't click from you you know so I could be like no you know what I disagree with that you know <laughs> but no yeah I mean you're 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 spot on like it's this movie earns all of its uh, its jump scares and something that they do like really uniquely and you know you 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 touched on that is they bring in there is so many elements to this film to where it could be it has the possibility of just being a complete mess. Uh, but they tie them together so well, and the the story is done so well, and it's so tight, you know, and the storytelling is is so fantastic that everything just works in in this movie, and it doesn't feel bloated at all. Uh, but you you know you're 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 getting these you know these little reveals, and you're along for the ride during the entire uh, during the entire time. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll move on to number three. All right. Number three on my list. So I've already had the most derivative. So this one is probably what I would say is the most mainstream pick on my list. And uh, that is 2003's Whispering Corridors, Wishing Stairs. Now, I know a lot of people that are Asian horror film fans uh, that say Memento Mori is the better film, and it may be, it may be, but this one, I love the dynamic in the film between the two leads, where you have this this wonderful friendship, yet at the same time, there's this, this bitter rivalry uh, in, in it, but there's just this underlying current, though, also that, you know, maybe that they feel for each other beyond just friendship and that and that's also adding to the tension of these of these characters but also in that uh in the middle of that you have this wonderful mythology of the wishing stairs to you know if if you you know if you walk up the stairs and there happens to be a 29th stair then you can make a wish and so one of our characters does and it turns out in a way of course that is that that's that's not good and it's kind of devastating by the end of this movie when she makes that final speech, when she is trying to erase everything that's happened or, or not everything that's happened, but when she is trying to re, uh, erase the consequences of, of her actions and she stopped and then she makes that, that, that wonderful speech uh, before what happens happens is one of the reasons why I, I love this film for some reason. I don't know what it is, um, but this one like gets me right in the feels. Like I, I don't know what it is. And I love 
I also love the setting of this of this film. I don't know about you, uh, but like for me growing up, I grew up on like Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein, the the Fear Street series, and this kind of feels like to me the the fear street of asian horror like this this whole setting and so when i watched this there was just something so nostalgic uh, about it and i i just loved every moment of this movie nice yeah um i'm actually kind of glad that uh, somebody doesn't like memento mori because i thought i was alone in thinking that was the most <laughs> overrated in the franchise i i've yeah. never understood why everybody always praises that one i i I, I admit it's a well-made film, but that one just never really worked for me. So I'm, I'm kind of glad somebody else thinks that. Um, for Wishing Stairs, um, I, I agree. I, lo- I love the main girls. I think their, you know, their relationship is just, you know, amazing. It, it's been a while, so I, I'm not really familiar with the ghost stuff. I remember a sequence in the bathroom where, like, the overweight girl made a wish that she was going to be skinny, and then something yeah. goes wrong. But that's kind of like the only real scene in that one that's kind of rings out for me. I, I do agree. I, I do like the the titular wishing stairs thing. I do like the the whole idea of that. And um, out of the five, the six, I, I think this is the one that has the best atmosphere because I, I I love that, you know, Japan in summertime kind of atmosphere that this has, where you know you've got like the trees in bloom and you've got the you know the sun shining and everything but then you've got all these like horrific things happening in the background so yeah uh out of the six in the 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 six films in the franchise i do think that this one's probably got the best uh school setting but uh yeah it's been a while since i i really remember it so i'm I'm not really recalling a lot of the ghost stuff in this one but uh it's one that i i do think favorably of when you say it um when you, you know, thinking about it, I, I do have a lot of positive thoughts about it. So it's one that I, I do like. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know if I would put it as high on your my list. Um, but, yeah, it, it's still a fun time. And uh, like I said, I'm just glad to meet somebody else that thinks Memento Mori is a little overrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've thought the same thing. It's like, you know, you hear people just praise it time after time. And I'm like, you know, it's it's good. I understand. But there's probably two or three of the other ones that I actually like more than that one. Yeah, that was weird because I actually saw that one and um, uh, what's the the fourth one? Blood Pledge? Uh, bo- there's Voices and the fifth one is Blood Pledge. Yeah, Blood Pledge, A Broken Promise. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I saw that one because uh, those were the last two in the, fr- the series that I needed to see before they did six a couple of day- a couple of years ago. Yeah. But uh, when I saw those two back to back and I was like, uh, I know Blood Pledge is kind of the more derivative of the two, but I like that one more. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was weird because I I saw them kind of you know like really close, and I was like, yeah, I, I know Memento Mori is the one that gets all the praise, and I, I had more fun with Blood with Blood Blood Pledge. That was weird. But uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, you say you had a mainstream pick for number three. I had a mainstream pick for number three. And uh, if you weren't from, um, clued in as to uh, what the film this is from my previous comments, uh, then I don't know if you're a fan of Asian horror or not. But um, number three for me is uh, 2016 Strain to Busan. Um, yeah, it's kind of a basic bitch answer. But um, I mean, have you seen the film? Because damn. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I'm a hardcore zombie fanatic. Uh, that's another thing that uh, familiar listeners will be f- uh, familiar with. Um, so yeah, uh, getting a zombie film uh, would have been a requirement on this list, and uh, you'll see later on what I mean because um, another of my choices kind of falls into that category. But uh, yeah, this is just so amazing and so well done. And I, I mean, I can sit here and I can praise every technical skill set and I, uh, you know, every department head that you can think of. I can sit here and I can praise every performance in this thing because there's some genuinely amazing performances in this that should have been recognized by a greater audience and not just, you know, you know people that look at, you know, genre fair or, you know, foreign foreign films and, you know, I, I would put up some of the performances in this thing as being mainstream award worthy recognition. Um, where they found the daughter and if she's done anything else since I would love to know, uh, I'd love to know both of those questions because uh, to me, the fact that uh, I can't recall anything else she's done and I don't know where they found her uh, incredibly upsetting because I want more. And I, I I can sit here and I can praise you know the special effects for days on end, but I I, I can just sit here and say uh, if you haven't seen this one, uh, if and if you're not a zombie fan, give this thing a watch. Uh, one of if not the greatest zombie films ever made, and I I mean it's just to me it's nearly flawless, and that's one of the the best praises I can say here. I, th- to me, this is nearly flawless. And yeah, uh, it, like I said, if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. But 2016's Train to Busan. Yeah. Uh, if if you don't like Train to Busan, you eat pulse. No. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, you're right. You know, I won't get into all the technical aspects or anything, but it it does so many things so well. It does action well. It does the zombies well. Of course, it does the emotion well. And I'll just, you know, I'll end I'll end with that. Like this movie made me cry. <laughs> yeah, I was I was close. Yeah, I've got daughters, so I'm watching the end of this movie. I'm like, you son of a bitch, trying to boost on. No. <laughs> it, it got me. So yeah. uh, I teared up a little bit at the end of it. Uh, and if a horror movie can make me do that, I mean, granted, you know, I, I understand that, you know, it, it, it is playing on your emotions a, a little bit in that in that scene. Uh, but it works. I mean, it works and it works with a story. So a hey, more power to you. I, I, I love this movie. So that'll that'll uh, that little uh, <laughs> that little insight right there will tell you uh, tell you why. Mm hmm. All right, so uh, let's move on to our top two. All right. Number two on my list is the most fun movie on my list. And I don't know, you may take issue with this one as well, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, So number two on my list is 2017's One Cut of the Dead. I cannot explain how much fun that this movie was. And how much that I just died laughing through the entire movie. And I went into it completely, completely blind. And that's that's the way that you have to watch this movie. Please do not read anything about this film. I'm not going to spoil it for you right now. But if you've not seen One Cut of the Dead, uh, what are you doing? You've, you've got to go watch it. And 
so I'm I go into this movie and I'm expecting one thing and I'm enjoying it because I am a fan. I love schlock. I love low budget horror. I love cheesiness. And so I'm having such a good time at the beginning of this movie. And every time that the director would pop in and say, action, <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I was rolling, just absolutely rolling. Uh, but then we get there's a little bit more that's that, that's happening here and we get two other acts in this film and again i don't want to go uh too far into this uh but when we were talking about when we were talking about satan slaves and how all that that has a lot of elements this is the same thing there are so many things that are going on in this movie so many things that could go wrong and so easy for this to feel so disjointed but it doesn't everything in this movie works so perfectly together to where the comedy in this movie works on so many levels two three different levels as you go along through the narrative and it's one of the most genius things that i've ever seen to take a low budget to take you know i think i th i think they had uh somewhere around $25,000 to film this the actors in this movie at first did not get paid they were part of like a an actors workshop uh, that volunteered to make this movie and so once it started gaining traction then they ended up you know being being paid for what they did but it was just so many things could have gone wrong in this movie but all of it works together and it's just a it's just a perfect joy <laughs> that's the best way that i could explain this it's just such a perfect good and it makes me smile one cut of the dead is my number two all right well um all i will say on the matter is boom <laughs> yeah uh, boom. yeah <laughs> so um, if you're familiar with that, uh, let that be um, an indication of my thoughts on it. Uh, it fell victim to too many slots. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, absolutely amazing choice there. <laughs> um, for my number two, uh, this is uh, this is the oldest one on the list. And uh, this year, will, uh, it, it'll kind of uh, bookend um, my number one actually kind of will because Number two is my oldest, and number one is my most recent. Um, for my oldest one, though, uh, this is the this is the film that uh, started my love of Asian horror, and uh, it's the most unexplained, most unexpected one possible. Um, 1983's *The Boxer's Omen*. So, <clears throat> for uh, real quickly on this one. Uh, basically, the, the film is about a Hong Kong hoodlum whose uh, brother is this champion kickboxer. And he uh, the, the, the brother is involved in this fight and he ends up losing the, this championship out to uh, his rival. And he... Wait, wait hold on. I'm, I'm getting the things mixed up. So the, the, the brother wins the fight against the rival, but the rival is so outraged that he ends up snapping afterwards and beats him within an inch of his life and the 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 hoodlum is so enraged that he flies to his home country and challenges him to rematch for his family honor 
But the second he does, he comes into contact with a group of monks who reveal to him that they believe he is the celestial twin brother of the head monk of their order, who they need to undergo the ceremonial uh, purification rites in order to battle the rival wizard uh, that has uh, been reborn and is looking to overrule the world. And this is the first 20 minutes of the film. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is absolutely over the top and wild and crazy and everything you've ever heard and read about Asian horror just distilled into a vacuum because yeah uh, this has over the top splatter effects that are just absolutely amazing and you know it has all of the you know black magic stuff you know people vomiting up live animals and uh, veins exploding or uh there's a sequence where uh, a person spits blood onto a bat skeleton and the bat skeleton is then astral projected into uh, this monastery where it begins flying around and attacking the various monks while they're going through their rituals while he's being puppeted back in the uh, the other monks headquarters. And then we get the one of the greatest sequences I've ever seen, which is the the big battle between the two monks and oh my god this is just an absolute delight i'm the creativity the the the, the just sheer mind-boggling display of what's going on in here because you get disembodied heads and you get you know creatures materializing out of nowhere and you get you know, black magic and spells and uh, protective vices being brought into the bear. And I'm not even going to begin to uh, describe the sequence where a severed head is put to use and, uh, you know, not necessarily the way you think. Um, this is just an absolute uh, amazing film. And it's the one that got me started. Um, I actually, uh, True story. Uh, so I, I picked this up at a video store thinking it was a kickboxer ripoff. And um, I was really heavily into martial arts at the time. And, I, you know, I thought it was, a, you know, a kickboxer movie. So when this thing started going off into black magic, I was just completely transfixed. And it, I, I, I sat there and I, I watched the whole thing, not even realizing it. And... By the time I was done, I was literally white by watching this. Like my knuckles had turned white, my face had just like completely sunken in, and I, I was like, "What the hell is this?" And it's it was responsible for getting me into Asian horror in general. So um, I, I've always loved this movie. I've always tried to expose people to this movie, and everyone that I've ever showed this to has ever has come away just like completely flabbergasted at what they saw and it it's a film that is very near and dear to me it's one that uh, i've always had a very big fondness for and it's one that's always it's a, it's always been one that i i've you know, like i said i've tried to show people as much as i can so uh for me number two is the boxer's omen nice i have never even heard of this movie i just wrote that down so i am i've got to check this out because it sounds it sounds amazing so i can't wait to get to it but i i have never even heard of this one 
Okay, so uh, you are in luck because there is a release that just came out uh, shortly a little while ago. Uh, this is involved in the Shawscope Volume 2 from Arrow Video. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, um, it doesn't have its own disc. It's paired with uh, something else, but uh, it is involved. It is uh, a part of that. So uh, if you have a chance to, uh, you know, splurge 160 bucks on that set, uh, you'll <laughs> you'll be able to find it. Uh, yeah, that's a thank God for disposable income. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're going to, I don't know if we want to do a drum roll. No, you know, uh, but <laughs> it's time for number one. Um, number one on my list. And I feel the evil spirits coming and supporting me on this one, uh, regardless of what anybody thinks or how high that anybody thinks this should be on my list. And those that know me, those that have listened to the show or heard me guest on maybe probably, I don't know, Ken, Ken's show, know that my number one of all time is Juon the Curse. And again, I know that that is, you know, that's a little bit outside of the box for that franchise. I know that a lot of people prefer Juon the Grudge. It is the better movie. I, I'll agree with that. But there is just something so visceral uh, and so minimalist about Jew on the Curse that I find that one so much scarier than I do Jew on uh, the Grudge. I love that there is just not a, a whole lot of music in 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 that movie. I love that like when you get Yuki in in the bedroom, that there is no distraction from that death rattle when when that starts up and it. To this day, to this day, it gets me every single time. As as soon as like she's sitting in there alone, and you just hear that, uh, you know, and that starts up, I get goosebumps every single time that I've watched it. I've seen this film probably at least twenty times. I love that this one is so much more visceral and violent than some of the other ones that we get later on. I mean, when we find out what happens to the the teacher and his and his wife at the end of this movie, you don't get that in any other Juwan in any other Juwan movies, and it's it's crazy, it's so crazy. Um, this is the movie that a lot of people think of. So whenever uh, we saw we got the American remake. And there's the scene where the girl loses loses her jaw. It's not from Jew on the Grudge. That's from Jew on the Curse. And I am so thankful that I got to see this one first. I uh, stumbled upon um, this movie on DVD so long ago um, before I ever saw uh, the American remake and before I ever saw uh, Jew on the Grudge. And to this day... It has remained my not only my favorite in the franchise, but my favorite horror movie in Asian cinema. Nice. Um, I don't know either of the curses. I, I I've seen the the original version. Um, I, I've actually seen the full version of um, Ghost School Stories that uh, the two the two shorts uh, Katsumi and four four four. Yeah. You know, whatever. Four, 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 four. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. You know, however, many, uh, however many that is. Um, I, I've seen that one, 
and then I've seen uh, on the Grudge one and two. So I I skipped uh, the two curses. So yeah, um, it's interesting that you actually went with that one. So I'm kind of intrigued to check it out now just to see how that one overtops the original, or you know the the Grudge versions. So. Right. Yeah, that that's 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 an interesting pick. I kind of like it because it's kind of intriguing as to you know see where that one goes. Because like I said, I I've seen the you know the school ghost stories one, and then I've seen the two that follow it. So I haven't seen the ones I haven't seen the those two. So, um, real quickly, how is uh, Curse Two? Because I don't hear much on that one. If you've seen it. Um, so Curse 2, uh, the reason why you don't hear a whole lot of it is because part of that movie is a recap. So think um oh uh silent night deadly night one and two to where silent night deadly night two there's a lot of recap in in that one so it's the same thing it's the same kind of concept to where it kind of recaps a lot that you spend 20 minutes recapping everything that's happened before and then you get some new segments so there is some original content in it um but it's just you know you you visited these these areas before uh and so that's why it's not really as well regarded Okay, so uh, it's it's one of those. Okay, yeah, we've already been here. Do you know? I don't mind a recap, just not as much of it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, they spend yeah they spend quite a bit of time uh, going on or uh, uh, going over what's what's happened before. All right. Cool. Yeah. Because I mean, like I said, uh, if I if I ever hear anything about the curse, the the curse entries, it's always one rather than two. So I was kind of curious, but um, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, moving on to me. Um, like I said, uh, the oldest one on my list was uh, Boxer's Omen for number two. Uh, the most recent one on my list is number one. And uh, if you heard me say anything about uh, zombies in the past, if you heard me anything on the show talk about how much of a gorehound I am, then this should be very little surprise, even if you've uh, heard me on um, any of my other podcasts talking about it. Uh, mine is The Sadness. Uh, uh, this is probably as close as I've come to having an orgasm watching a movie as I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my God. Um, to tell you how much my face hurt watching this, um, kind of shocking, I, I guess, knowing the content of it, but, uh, what goes on in this thing here was, uh, just nothing short of amazing. Um, and, uh, Forgive me for being vulgar, but um, when an honest, legitimate skull fucking is not the most brutal act inflicted upon the human body, um, which is what is the case in this one, uh, you're doing something. And uh, that is a, a that is something that I, I want heartily. But to me, what really makes this one stand out it's not the gore, it's not the depravity, it's not all of the just rampant, rampant uh, sleaze and just, uh, you know, utter griminess. It's the fact that this thing has a brain. And uh, the fact that it ties in modern culture with how, you know, we view society now that we've come out of the virus and, you know, the lockdowns and pandemic and everything that's with that the fact that there's so much going on here and that ties into how everything that's gone on before us is sort of just at reached now its apex and it's become this this 
straightforward and sterilized virus and it turns people into the most rampant and violent and vicious things i've ever seen in a film uh, it, it's it's amazing and i i could explain this in detail but um if you're ever interested there's a podcast called no more room in hell presents fresh cuts which is a secondary show that i'm on which i don't feel the need to produce uh promote all that often but uh if you ever hear the episode that we did on the sadness, uh, be prepared for a hour and a half long gush fest about this, um, where we go into detail about this thing in greater detail. But uh, like I said, when I first saw this movie, um, I was literally nearly orgasmic watching this and very few films have ever done that. And yeah, uh, to, you know, to use the cliche, this was made for me. Um, it, it applies to this and uh like I said, it's one of my favorite films, if not my favorite film of the decade. It's probably my favorite film uh, since the millennium changed. And I I would be hard pressed to say that it's probably my favorite film since I've been alive. Um, I, you know, I can probably lay claim to that one um, as well. So, yeah, um, if you haven't seen this one and uh, you have an ironclad stomach, because like I said, you know, there, I, I'm not legitimate. I'm not, you know, I'm not playing this up. There, there is an honest, legitimate skull fucking in this movie. And it's not the most brutal act inflicted on the human human being in this film. So keep that in mind. If you're willing to go along with the ride, give it a shot. But uh, I mean, I understand if you can't, but if you can, uh, this is one of the most amazing. And uh, to me, it's what the most transcendental film i've seen ever since i've been a fan so uh easy choice for me at number one was the sadness yeah i love that i absolutely love that this was the first film that i had to leave off of my list uh, you know to, to make my <laughs> list because i do i i i have so many good things uh to say about about the sadness it's 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 one of those movies yeah that you're just watching it and you're right. You have to be of a certain kind of mindset, and it, it is. It's it's made for somebody like me to where I'm watching. I'm just like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, where you're watching things and stuff is just so violent and so appalling that you can't help but laugh. And that's where I found myself in in this film, like in in a, like kind of not like where I was. I was horrified, but I was just so giddy about what I was getting to see. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know what you mean, because yeah, I was I was like that as well. Um, even reliving it, um, playing some of that stuff in my head backwards is it. Yeah, it's kind of doing the same thing again. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's so like it's. It's one of the craziest things that I've ever seen. And I love, I absolutely loved when uh, people were coming out and doing these early reviews on it. Like, oh, it's so messed up. You know, prepare yourself for, and granted, you know, if you are not into extreme cinema, if if that's not normally your bag, then yes, you, you want to be prepared going into this one. It's extremely violent. There's all kinds of taboos and that kind of thing that, that has already been mentioned. But if you were kind of initiated uh, then this film is amazing. Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So um, 
I guess that uh, brings us to the end of our list. But uh, since we've uh, been talking all day about uh, honorable mentions and stuff that just got left off, um, I guess that would be the time to... Uh, it, maybe not, you know, as deeply as we've been doing with the films, but, uh, you know, just in case of uh, rattling off some titles for people to check out, uh, if you have any, uh, go ahead and say them now. Sure. Uh, so I will just go through some of the ones that have not been mentioned yet, because uh, we, you have uh, touched on a few that have, have been on my list, so I'm just going to exit those out. So uh, Uzumaki, which is another Junji Ito film, and... It's it's not I don't think as well done as uh, the original Tomie, but I still think it has merit and it's really weird, and so I, I like that one. R Point and uh, GP506 are two military horror films, and there's just something about that that I really enjoy that I think is a lot of fun, and uh, those are two that are done really well, both ghost stories and kind of unique in their in their own way. And so I, I like both of those. Uh, of course, uh, Noroi, The Curse, uh, The Wailing is is fantastic. And I know that those, a lot of people know about those, so I won't spend too much time on that. Uh, Tetsuo, The Iron Man is, is, is kind of crazy and needs to be seen at least once. Uh, of course, Ringu. I, I mean, you can't, you can't do it a horror, you know, an Asian horror list without at least mentioning Ringu. And it's, Oh, it's 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 phenomenal. I I love it so much. I it to this day still gets still gets under my skin. And I love that the oh uh, we the psychic aspect in Ringu is so much better or so much more well done than it is in the American remake. It actually makes sense with the culture and what's going on in the story. So I like that uh, cure. And uh, the f- final one is uh, a movie that I'm going to butcher the name. I'm going to try, but it's called uh, B- Bush- Bunshin Sabah. Um, Bunshin a- Sabah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so you're familiar with that one. Um, I really like the ghost aspect in that one. I don't think it has the greatest story in, in, that, in that film, but there, I thought that there were several scenes in that that were legitimately creepy. And uh, so that's that's another one. Didn't make the list, but, you know, it deserves kind of an honorable mention. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got a few. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that I was actually kind of shocked that this one wasn't um, on your honorable mentions list. But uh, Halsu is uh, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah Halsu is uh, definitely worth a mention. But, um, yeah, I, I've got a couple of others. Um uh, an older one that I, I really wanted on the list, but I couldn't uh, squeeze out enough room for it is uh, Jigoku, um, Onibaba, and uh, Kiraniko. Those are um, f- classics from, uh, I think they're all from the 60s. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those are, uh, you know, Japanese classics that are definitely worth a watch. Um, there's one from Hong Kong called uh, The Imp, which is uh, really fun. And there's a couple of others here. Uh, Hiroku the Goblin, which is kind of a uh, bizarre Evil Dead mashup, which yeah. is uh, really fun. Um, I, I don't see many talking about this one. And it, it, this is another one that I, I really felt bad leaving off the list. But uh, it's a Thai film called uh, Nang Nak, which uh, I don't know very many that have ever talked about. Uh, definitely give that one a watch if you can. I think that one should still be on Netflix. 
Um, it, it, I, I'd have to check because it's been a while since I've looked. But uh, a couple of others, uh, real quickly here. Uh, some South Korean stuff would be, um, you know, Bunshin Saba because that one was on my list as well. But uh, I also really like um, Thirst, the uh, Park Chan Wook uh, vampire film. And uh, the last one I'll mention is a, uh, uh, yeah, this was a uh, another wild and over the top uh, Japanese uh, splatter fest, but. Um, I absolutely love it, and uh, it's definitely worth a watch, as well as the original, but uh, I much prefer the sequel called uh, Kodoku Meatball Machine. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, like I said, uh, you know, more Japanese splatter, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can, you know, mention many more, but uh, I think that'll be uh, enough for now. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. This was a blast, and uh, I'm definitely glad we got to do this. Oh, yeah, this was so much fun. This was fantastic. It's nice to be able to just talk to you about something that uh, is near and dear to my heart. So, yeah, thank you for having me on. This was this was wonderful. Yeah, for sure. So uh, go ahead and uh, let people know where they can uh, find you online and uh, let them know about you and your work. Or, uh, unfortunately, I guess I will have to uh, be the one to do this because uh, there was a slight audio tech um, issue here at the uh, very end. So, uh, unfortunately, I can't have Boomer uh, discuss everything himself. Uh, so, the show is called uh, Podcast in the Woods. You can find that on just about every uh, social media or podcasting platform out there. Uh, you can find them online at uh, Woods Podcast One on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, yeah, unfortunately that I, I did lose that part of him, but uh, those are uh, the links. I will have everything down below in the show notes for you to uh, check out yourself, and uh, that will conclude everything. So uh, until next time, we will see you then.